Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh my God. This ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. That's a great catch by David Tyree. Welcome to Catch the Moment Podcast. I am your host, David Tyree. Back for another exciting experience. I'm be honest with you. This is a day like no other. I'm joined by my friend, a dynamic player, human being, and even more, a world changer. Eric Reed is in the house giving me this exclusive. What's good, family? What's up, man? Listen, this is um, number one. I want to thank you for um, availing your time. I know everyone in the world has been looking to get your voice on your experience. We'll, I'm not going to jump right into that. We're going to kind of start off a little soft here. You know, one of the things I like to ask every guest on Catch the Moment is, you know, where were you when you saw the helmet catch, right? You know, we obviously, we're both former athletes. You know, um, I'll talk about my moment, but there's always more than just a moment. There's always a little cool story. So tell me where you were, what were your thoughts, and if there was any story. Man, I remember very vividly, actually. Okay. So I'm watching the Super Bowl, and it's the Patriots' undefeated season, right? Like, you know, Tom Brady doing this thing. Like, Absolutely. This is Tom Brady on his ascent to being Tom Brady, right? <laughs> undefeated. I'm like, yo, they really going to do this thing, right? Like, the Patriots are – and at, honestly, you know, I grew up in Louisiana. I'm a Saints fan. I'm, I'm kind of, like, hating on Tom Brady. I'm like, golly, <laughs> this, he really going to do it, all right? And then you make this catch, and I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> now, we, now we're talking. No doubt, no <laughs> it's doubt. It's exciting now. Yeah. And then, because um, y'all were 8-8 eight and eight that year, right? Like That was the 10-6 and six year. The, okay. the, the, the other team, the Victor Cruz team, was 9-7 and seven going into the playoffs. But we were but definitely big underdogs. I, big underdogs. I remember that being like, it, this was supposed to be a mop. Like, it was going to be. 17-point underdogs. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you made that catch. And I'm like, hey, now we're talking. Because I'm, I'm hating, right? Like, I'm like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it done. I want, I want the Saints to win, right? No question. You make the catch. I'm like, man, they they might have something here, right? And then y'all win the game. I'm I'm, I'm excited now. Like, it's fantastic, <laughs> made a, bro. Made a game out of it. So that was, I mean, you uh, one of the great moments in football history. Like for real, for real. I mean, that's that would have been the only undefeated season ever. Yeah. And congratulations. Like, in, on in, modern, <laughs> in modern day, you know, the, the, the Dolphins fans, they they kind of, they, I know there's a ritual that the Dolphins, the 17 and 0, I think Dolphins. They like cheer up every every year to celebrate their undefeated season um, with Don Shula. But so I get a lot of praise from the Dolphins <laughs> for keeping you them the only, <laughs> only undefeated team. But like obviously, you know, this, this whole theme is really about process and journey. And um, when I think about a person with a moment, and you know, and I'm not, you know, like I'm like, man, Eric, I actually know you over the last few years. I've come into a uh, a dynamic relationship with you. I've seen you evolve, transition out to the National Football League. And when I'm looking back at your career and your experience, not, you know, not your career, not just aside from the, the protests, it was complicated, bro. I was like, man, this, this, everything was, was complicated. I mean, like, so tell me what you're, you know, like, you know, I know you're a few years away from playing in a game. I know you had aspirations up until recently. And we can get into what your thoughts have been, but what, you know, like what was your thoughts as you're kind of rounding the corner, moving forward with new interests? What is your thoughts about your career? I could tell you some things that I think, but seven seasons, first round draft pick, and you did some things. You accomplished some significant things. What's your thoughts around your career? I think um, my career on the field, on the um, field, 
had some adversity, right? I think uh, my first five years, I had four head coaches. Yep. So it's, it's hard for any team to get in a groove under those circumstances. Um, we faced a lot of adversity as a team in that aspect with the 49ers transitioning through all these coaches, um, having to learn new playbooks every year. Yep. But, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I prided myself on, right? Mm-hmm. Like being a student of the game, leading the team, not not very much in a vocal manner. I wasn't the guy that in the middle of the huddle all the time. Sure. But I was. I, I took a lot of um, pride in making sure that the guys knew what was going on, right? Excellent. Making the right checks, making sure the guys were lined up. And so I felt that responsibility as a player – and honestly, we had some success, and I'm very happy with that because I know that was my role, right? There's plays where um, we got Matt Schwab benched because they, they did a Z motion, and I checked a trap. We were, um, we were playing cover two, but I, I trapped the corner, and we got a pick six. And that's like one of the highlights of my career, and that really speaks to my career because, you know, in a way, I made that play happen, and nobody knows it, right? That's dope. Um, playing the position, playing safety um, – you know, it's cat and mouse. I remember one of, one of the other highlights. Man, you're doing it already. We got 30 seconds in. I'm like, I'm like remembering all my favorite moments. I, I, I need <laughs> this because, you know, like, you, you have this dynamic, in my personal opinion, uncelebrated NFL career. Meaning, like, all the talk has been around you and Colin in protest, but you actually really made significant contributions. And we're still in position. We'll get, we'll get to, you know, your Carolina experience a little later. But, yeah, man, speak to – give me some more sauce on the field. Man, one of the coolest moments in my career, um, playing against Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos. And he, he, uh, he broke a record on us, which, again, that, that hurt me, right? Because <laughs> I'm that type of competitor. Like, I know you're good, yeah. but you're not going to break a record on me. You know no, what I mean? like, I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now, which just, record? He, he broke a lot I of records. Was, um – I think it was the what was the fifty touchdowns. Yeah, I think it was most most, yep. most touchdowns in the season, and we just happened to be that team that rolled up on Peyton. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so one of the cool moments where I realized, like, you know what, he is legit. I remember he was looking, Man. he was looking dead at me, right? And we're both playing these double coverages, right? He makes a lot of checks. He says Omaha a thousand times a thousand before the play. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I want to check. And literally, David, I'm telling you, I take one step to the right, and he he, he starts going crazy. He, he's I'm like, did he, does he know? And he snaps, and he knew. And I'm like, oh, he, yeah, he he's for real, for real. And so I had a whole different level of respect, right? Because it's like he really, this dude is he really, really he's really, really real. Like the students of the game, the the deep detail that it takes to execute at that high level is really what you're talking about. One step, like I didn't even, <laughs> I took one step over, and he checked the play, and I mean, it was a scoring play. I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what. What, yeah. what did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, this, this is, that's the eagle eye, you know, when you're talking about, you know, it's not an accident when you're talking mm. about the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's mm. and uh, some of these super-duper, like, like, there's a few people that are in a different stratosphere, the Aaron Rodgers of the world at that position. But, um, you know, I looked at that. The four head coaches in five years, most players don't can't sustain that kind of volatility and I, and I think you had every reason to it. And you also had some challenges with, you know, and I know it was a little bit of a conversation with concussions early on. Mm. Tell me how that was, you know, the mental health conversation. It's a real, it has to be a real oh, conversation. Yeah. So tell me how you endured that and got through that and what your mental makeup was. It was, it is a real thing. Um, Cause I came into the league on fire. I mean, my first game, I picked off Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. My second game, I picked off Russell Wilson. Um, oh man, that's a nice start. <laughs> it was, it was, I came in hot. And then in that same game against Seattle, um, I made a big hit across the middle, and I just 
got concussed. And it was just a normal hit. I mean, I'm in from what I remember, it was all shoulder. Yeah. Like, I don't know what triggered the concussion. It it, it was very little head contact. So, I, I to this day, I don't know. Um, but I was concussed. Mm-hmm. For real, for real. Um, and then I came back um, and went up with. <laughs> all right, so, but you so, walked back into. <laughs> right. So, I'm a big safety, right? Like, yeah. playing weights 215, 217 pounds in college, I could hit anything. I was a linebacker playing safety in college. Facts. We played the Carolina Panthers and um, Tolbert. They're, they're, you remember the, the big, oh, big, the running back, the big, yeah. big, stocky fullback, yeah. Tolbert. I thought I was going to catch him slipping. Boy, he caught me slipping. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey there's these grown men out here, Ooh, bro. It's so grown. 265 running. And look, I thought I was going to get him. He got me. And he was a fullback running back. I mean, they gave him carries. He was a, he was yeah, a run the ball yeah, fullback. He, he, and it was, you know, one of those hits that I, that I love. You know, he was, it was right when he was going to catch the ball. I didn't think he knew I was coming. Mm. Man, look. Felt that. The, Felt that. The physics didn't work out for your boy. <laughs> <laughs> 265 versus Listen, 215. We, we, we got we to respect, folks. We got to respect the process. But that's what I think that's what allowed men like yourself, myself, and, of course, the elite that can it's, it was that it was that kind of competition. It was that kind of like wow, I'm gonna dominate or be dominated. Oh, I yeah. made this thing yeah, so special. So um, you know, and like boom. So I'm gonna fast forward, you know, because what I what I thought to be amazing, I couldn't, I, I wasn't sure initially about the timeline of the protests, and you know, what was your relationship with Colin up to this point? And I know it was the last preseason game of that of that. Um, I believe it was the 2016 season that you guys actually took the kneel. But, you know, Colin had already been sitting down. Mm-hmm. So tell me the nature of your relationship and how, you know, that evolved into that moment. Right. So our the dynamics of our relationship started in the weight room, right? Because as you know, offense and defensive players really don't spend that much time together on the field. I mean, we're, we're oftentimes on opposite sides of the field, sure. even when you practice. So our relationship really sparked in the weight room. We both got there early. We were, you know, gym rats. Yeah. Um, were really competitive in the weight room. And then he started sitting during the anthem, and that's when people really started noticing, right? And so I'm like, this is my guy. I'm just going to say, what's up? Like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, just just chopped it up with him. Sure. And um, it was that week it was versus the San Diego Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to his hotel room before the meetings we had in San Diego, and we just hung out, and he talked about some some stuff that he was seeing in the community, things that were happening. I was like, hey, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. I agree. Like, I mean, I'm I'm seeing this stuff too. I remember. I think it was the summer prior. Um, a man named Alton Sterling was killed in Baton Rouge, and that that mm. you know that that hurt me. Um, it, it touched really close to home, and the reason being because it happened at a gas station on Gardier Lane in Baton Rouge. Okay, Gardier Lane is um a street that my parents had their first house on. I was born into that house on Gardier Lane. Whoa. Gardier Lane was a street that my dad drove for thirty years to get to work at LSU. Mm. So it. In my mind, that could have very easily been my dad stopping at the gas station yeah. to and wound up getting killed by police officers, right? And you know, I'm not talking about any other any other circumstances, whatever was going on. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying that could have been my dad, right? Yeah. And so, um, for me, it I wanted I felt like I needed to do something, right? Sure. You know, as an athlete, there always you always taught to be a role model, to be a leader, to be accountable to. To do the right thing, right? Sure. And so I'm like, you know, I have this opportunity as a professional athlete to to speak up. And so Absolutely. I wanted to do that. Um, so after talking to Colin, um, I was like, hey man, you um you're catching some some backlash for sitting, right? They're saying it's disrespectful. I'm like, I want to help you, 
but I want to do it in a way that's not considered disrespectful. Sure. And so we just thought on it. It was actually my idea to take a knee. After thinking, we were like, you know, I told him, I don't think taking a knee has ever been seen as disrespectful. I'm yeah. Like, you know, I just could not think of a situation when it was ever disrespectful. So um, this is mind blowing to me. You know, so it was it was, it was your idea. So y'all having this conversation, you you suggest you suggested it. Mm. This is the most monumental civil. We talk about social justice, social reform, which is a common conversation now. You guys, you guys sparked it. Well, so yeah. so how does that get how does that get missed? I don't know. Well, I think it's this whole thing with the media, right? You know, people are sure. going to tell the what they want to tell. They're of course. Gonna, they're going to paint the picture they want to paint. So really, yeah, that was the, the thought was how to be more respectful of the people that felt disrespected. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we're like, yeah, I think I think this can be good. We should let's let's do this knee. Um, what we ended up having a guy. Um, his name is, is slipping my mind at the time, but he was a, um, a retired Seattle Seahawk. Um, he, he, he was in the military. Is that Nate Boyer? Nate Boyer, yes. Okay. yes thanks for the reminder. Because so, that's who I saw is the one who was, let's just say, credited yeah. for informing Colin. Yeah, like, so is there that, a timeline thing this year? There, there is a timeline because the, the very same day, okay. it, it just so happened that he was in town um, and he came to the hotel and we're like, hey, man, let's, let me, let's run this by you. I mean, you're in, you in the military, right? Boom. I come from a line of... of Service, all right. My mom served. All of my uncles served. Like I have, I have a lot of family members who served. Well, blessings to you. So, um, you know, we were like, "Hey, man, let's run. Let's 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 run this by you. What do you think about us kneeling?" Um, and he was like, "You know what? I don't think that I would do it, but I don't see why that would be an issue." Sure. So he he kind of agreed with it. He he did agree with us. And sure. so, you know, the next day, now we're at Seattle. I mean, mm -hmm. Seattle, um, San Diego. And I remember, man, I remember. I was like, because we knew we didn't go into this. Blindly. We didn't go no. into this naively. We Absolutely. knew. I mean, Colin was already getting backlash for it. I, right? And I, I recall. And so um, I'm thinking, you know, I'm stepping into this thing and it's with a goal in mind. You know, I, I wanted to do what I felt was right at the time. Sure. I wanted to. If you watch that very first interview I had, if you can dig it up, I don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to the question was, hey, we just want to reopen the door to the conversation. We just want to sure. get people talking about what's happening right now, right? People are dying at traffic stops, and we just think that's crazy. Yeah. And so um, we walk out on the field, and we take a knee. Absolutely. And it, it felt right. Um, I, I felt like I did what, what I thought was right in the moment, right? To, to man, say less, man. You guys, you guys were, are responsible for, for change. You know, like, so that's the, for me, I'm a man that has massive courage and conviction. Now, I've, I've stuck my foot out for things that I believe over a decade ago with traditional marriage, and I got my little Christian mm -hmm. mind. I would even say somewhat naively, like meaning like what I knew. I knew I was standing on the side of something right, right? It was my opinion. It was my platform. But it, I, I knew that there was some risk. But Very real risk. <laughs> real risk. And I think from a standpoint of where you guys were, you, you kind of approached it the same, the same way, knowing that what you were doing was right. And that's powerful. Right. That's super duper powerful. So go ahead, continue. Well, and really, that's the reason I gave you the interview, David. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know you. You um, you've been through that, right? Yeah. You you know what it feels like to do what you what you think is right, what you feel is right. Like you you're honestly in pursuit of what is right and what's good. Absolutely. Um, and some people just don't agree, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, man, it it that was the first time I took a knee, and then you know it it went really 
all kind of ways after that, right? Oh man, <laughs> um. and, and I, you know, like so. Of course, I, I didn't know you at that time. You know, of course, working at the, at the I was working for the Giants at the time, and the the ripple effect of that moment resounded throughout the National Football League. It's only a few weeks later till our our president at the time, Donald Trump, the ultimate amplifier of all things divisive, um, you know, has his thoughts. And now we're at a national debate. But ultimately, you know, it, it was so much that came. And I, I wanted to be clear, like, you know, what was your motivation? Me and you, had we, had we had some offline conversations. And you said it was like, you know what, this is wrong. But, you know, it seemed like, um, you know, and everybody has different motivations. When I look at your, if, if, if I go to your Wikipedia page, it's, it's, it's all about your career as an athlete and not about the moment that you were with, with Colin in this moment of activism. You go to Collins, it's activists. Mm. And, and so I'm always enamored of how two people can share. Now, trust me, he was the forerunner. Oh, yeah, yes. And we're not, we're not trying to, you know, yeah, yeah. there's Batman and Robin, but yeah. at least Robin, he's had, he's had his, own, his <laughs> little bit of shine. I mean, <laughs> he's recognized for his heroism, right? So what was your motivation? I think, I think Collins' motivation, I think you two are, I'm sure you're still a great relationship, but what was your motivation, and what were you, are, you, are you proud of that experience, and what are you looking to do moving forward? Well, my motivation, as I mentioned, was I, I was doing what I felt was right, right? I was, I, at the time, I thought that it was something that I could do for God, right? I, I had based it off of a scripture, um, be a voice to the voiceless, a father to the fatherless, right? Excellent. And I thought it was an opportunity that I could be a voice to people who weren't being heard, um, people who were dying, who um, would have these encounters with police officers, and they would get covered up, yep. um, and they just didn't have a voice. It's true. And so I'm, I'm like, you know, this is the biggest platform in America, right? It's football. I've right. been told every day of my athletic career to be a leader, to be a role model, to be responsible. I'm like, this is my opportunity to, to, to do all those things that have been instilled with me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Little did I know at the time, they, <laughs> they didn't want to hear, they didn't want to hear that part. Um, no. But um, yeah, that, that was the, the, the genesis of, on why I had made the decision to protest. It, it was powerful. Like I said, our offline conversations, you, you, you came at it from, with, a, with a heart for God. I mean, like your motivations came from understanding that God hates oppression. So, you know, it's always, it's always been, a, you know, like for me, I, I've understood these moments. And I think me and you and I, we had a good conversation about, you know, how I can only live for so many causes, right? Like we can lend our, our platform, our influence, so many things, but I can only genuinely live for one cause. And I've kind of committed my cause to the kingdom. And, you know, and I think that I have a voice to speak to many particular issues, but I was so thrilled to understand that your motives were, were pure. Um, I don't know, Colin, I'm, I applaud him. I, I mean, like, you know, like there's, um, it, it, I think the only thing that, and I shared this with you as well, the only thing that was like rough for me is, the, the, it's, it's a mixed bag and muddy, it's muddy waters everywhere. And every, it's like NFL players, right? We get typecasted. Cops will be typecasted. There's evil everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, and I remember his uh, Fidel Castro shirt. And I'm like, there's, there's another spirit going on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has nothing to do with it as a human because I don't know him as a human. But when you're coming from a bitter place versus a place of justice and peace and mercy, there's there's two two separate things. So it was great to meet you. Like man, you know what? At least he he got into this knowing what was that there was a cost. 
and knowing that my heart is right and desire to be a voice for the oppressed, man. So I, you've always, from the moment I got a chance to meet you, it's been, it's been amazing. So kind of kind of like just levying us, let's, let's move forward and say, okay, you know, Colin never sees the field again. You're, you're at least fortunate, you know, you, you experience all kinds of backlash, but you're at least fortunate to continue to play the game. You know, what was that like, you know, watching your, your close friend be, be, be blackballed, persecuted, um, but also having an experience that's kind of like, okay, this, this, how has this affected my career? I know you're thinking about this even, even though you're still on the roster. Yeah, it, um, there are a lot of layers. And um, how much time you got? Listen, man, we're here. We're here. This is important. Uh, so you made the comment of when, you know, the president lended his, his thoughts to the situation. Sure. He called us SOBs, all right? That's, he sure did. That's, that's the language he chose to use. And I think it really took off after that, right? Mm -hmm. We started getting um, attacked from all angles, right? We, we, now we have owners who don't want to see the protests happen anymore Correct. because the president of the United States is threatening them with, Taxes or something, yep. whatever it was. Um, you know, people, I'm getting messages on social media from college friends and, and fans. are like, man, we don't know what happened to you. I'm like, hey, man, all I said was y'all should probably stop killing people. Like, <laughs> like, I don't is know that, how is this, that too much to ask. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, we took this deep dive into American history mm -hmm. um, about how to respect the flag because everybody was saying that we we're disrespecting the flag, right? And so we we, we stumbled upon the original flag code, which mm. was that the flag should always be flown high and free. I'm like, dang, the NFL dragged that thing across the field every Sunday, like <laughs> all over. It's not supposed to touch the ground. Wow! But it, it, week in and week out, week in and week out, it's also you know not supposed to be. Um, used as a in the marketplace, right? It's really supposed to be like an idol, the way yeah, they design yeah, this yeah. thing. Same but it's it not is. it's not supposed to be used on apparel. It's not supposed to be used like in swimsuit. But so we actually sell the flag in America and it's like completely contrary to what the original flag code well, is. We a bunch of mammon <laughs> materialistic <laughs> Look, greed man. hounds. That's what it is. <laughs> and so you know I and then I you know I honestly I felt some type of way. I'm like we're disrespecting the flag but y'all don't stop selling concessions. Mm -hmm. And y'all it is what it is. So um that happened. Now that you know it's it now it became not us protesting oppression. It became us versus the NFL. And it was like how do how do how do we get here? You how know? do we get here? How do we get here? Um, I remember we played Washington, and Colin was no longer um, on the team at this point. And, man, they really did not want to see us protest in the nation's capital. I mean, mm. it, we had a team meeting about it, and they convinced a lot of guys not to do it. And, look, I never I, – I can say with a clear conscience, I never – pressured anybody to protest i like excellent um it has you, to be personal it needs to be personal conviction it's i'm doing this for my own reasons excellent. right um and so yeah it it i know i'm kind of no, rambling man, take here, your time. listen bro this this is so i'm gonna tell you why it's so important because you know i think when, when we find ourselves in dangerous territory number one we don't understand people's motives and objectives when you have the right motive and objective then I think you can lend on a clear conscience because you can do the right thing. I say, listen, you can do, there's only one way to really get things right. Right motives, right execution, right? You can have wrong motives, right execution, and it's still impure. And so, yeah, and so, <laughs> so I'll, I'll be honest, look, I went into this thing pure heart, Excellent. right? But then, you know, the president comes in, the NFL comes in, and now not so pure, right? Now, That's now, right. Now I'm angry. Um, there we go. Now, now, 
You know, I want to fight back, right? Like, y'all been calling me every every name under the sun, yep. calling my character into question. I'm like, little do you know, like, Take I'm trying to be the best person I can be. And um, y'all are y'all are trying to railroad my career because of it. Yeah. Um, like, literally. But, but talk about that and speak to what you really went through, you know, psychologically. I mean, like, was there fear? Was there crying nights? Was there talking to mom nights? How did you dig your way out of that? Man, I have this fire inside of me, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the the reason I did this was for God, and so there was not a single person on this earth that was going to tell me that I was wrong because I knew why I was doing this. Right? Mm. Did I say everything the best way possible? Probably not. No. Did I did I act in the best way every day? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but I knew why I started it. Excellent. And so you, there was nothing you could tell me. Otherwise, right? Absolutely. Like, you couldn't tell me that people were dying at the hands of oppression. Like you could not talk me out of that. No, it was it's, it's right there, and obviously we're still we're still seeing recurring issues, mm-hmm. right? And and that's that's my thing as a as a as a Christian. I know that I can't turn a blind eye, you know, to oppression. Bottom line, I can't do that. It's inconsiderate. It's insincere, you know. But I also can't take up a, a cause that you know, like. You know, people ask me about Black Lives Matter. Well, we know we know that Black Lives Matter unequivocally. Um, but within that movement, there's some other things that are going right. on that I personally just can't get all get all on board with that right. particular movement. I can be on board with advocating for the oppressed, advocating for my personal community. But you guys did it in such a transformational way. But it, it came at a cost. So you know, walk me through that tail end because I'm looking at your first season in the National Football League. You were delivering the goods. I don't know if you're playing free safety that year, but I know you had four picks. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was kind of both. A little both, yeah. And um, but then your last season, you you have your best statistical season. I know it was a strong safety, but 130 tackles. Mm-hmm. You get on with Carolina after a long free agency, mm-hmm. a very long free agency. Tell me about how how your visits went. You know, Cincinnati was one. Mm-hmm. Probably a wild experience. It was. Um, so I remember going into that offseason, my first time in free agency. You know, I'm, I'm a first-round pick. Um, been playing at a high level. Have a Pro Bowl under my belt. NFC Championship appearance. But I don't get picked up in, in uh, free agency. And so it's a very interesting time for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back, you know, this is the fruit. This is the moment. This is the, this is the moment we out here <laughs> waiting for. You already, you're, you know, you're talking about, I think you said Landon Collins. Landon Collins, I think he signed for $84 million or something. Landon I, came from New York, and I remember him. I'm very happy. I, I went, to, went to high school with Landon, so I'm like, oh, That's snap. We about, to, you know, we about to do this thing. Big respect, uh, LC. I still love him. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tyron, you know, I went yeah. to college with Tyron. So these are guys that I know I have a relationship with. And I'm Absolutely. like, hey, I'm, y'all set the market. I'm coming right behind <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, I, I after a long offseason, I get called up by um, Cincinnati. They fly me out on the one-way ticket. So all, all signs are great. You know, yep. one-way ticket, they're not sending me back home. Nice. I get in the building. The meetings with the coaches go great. You know, you know, they're telling me all the stuff on here. Eric, you know, obviously we love what kind of player you are. We think you will fit in well here. We run the scheme that works best for you. Nice. Um, they start installing their plays. and you loving know, you up. They loving me up, and I'm feeling great. I'm like, this, this free agency is over. Um, 
And as you know, whenever the team starts giving you plays, that's a, that's a serious step because absolutely, it's their plays. You sure. don't just give those out to people who we're bound by the rules of the team. If you lose your playbook, if you leave it in the hotel, they're going to find you twenty, thirty thousand dollars, right? Cash rules. So they're just <laughs> they're just not out here giving plays out, right? No. So all indicators are saying I'm getting signed. I, I'm I'm trying not to pull my phone out and text my agent like, hey, what they talking about? You know, what I mean? <laughs> like we getting plays. What 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 are they talking about? And so um, it's going great. And then they say, you know, we want you to speak with the owner. Sure. So I go into his office. We, you know, we have the pleasantries or whatever. And we start talking. And then he starts asking me veiled questions about the protest. And did I know this? Would I do that? And I'm like, hey, man, look, I'm just trying to see what I'm trying to th- see things that are wrong get corrected in this country. I was like, if, if they, those things start to happen, then I won't feel the need to protest. Right. Sure. And that was my response. And so after that meeting, I go back, I meet, I see Marvin Lewis, I see all the coaches and stuff, and it's still going great. Sure. And then I remember very vividly where I'm sitting with the DB coach, he's on the drawing board, on the on the dry erase board. And um one of the assistants comes in and say, Eric, you know, um, get your stuff, I'm gonna take you to the airport. And me and the coach are like, What? <laughs> he's in Whoa. the middle of giving me plays. Wow. And so they send me home. I actually filed a suit against the Cincinnati Bengals um, because of this, right? Um, mm. Stating discriminatory hiring, practice, hiring practices because they were giving me their plays. You know, they had bought me a one-way ticket. All the indications were saying that I was going to get signed by this team. 100%. And after my meeting with the owner, it flipped 180 degrees, um, and Ooh. they sent me home. And the outcome of that case was that I proved the facts of my case that the Cincinnati Bengals displayed discriminatory hiring practices. Wow. However... The CBA does not protect the players against said discriminatory hiring. However, <laughs> however, <I'm> however, <laughs> hey, so uh, I was surprised, but also at the same time, not surprised. I was like, Man. of course. So it, it one, it makes you question the CBA, right? Like, sure. like, what are we really doing here? But then it also made a lot of sense of why the things that you've seen happen, like at the draft when players get asked if they're gay or if they... That's right. Like why teams are allowed to do that and why there's no repercussions. Well, the CBA doesn't protect the players from those issues. Mm. Listen, and that's the, that's the crazy part. So this is always my thing, like facts versus the truth, right? And, you know, you delivered all the facts, but there's no truth. There's no truth or no justice in, in, in your deliberation. That is some, oh, my goodness. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, that, that's where the layers come in, right? Because sure. my protest was against oppression, and now I feel the effects of oppression. oppression. Right? And so now it's, um, it's, it's, it's going to a different level because now I realize the owners know and they see if the players come together on anything, sure, whether it's, whether it's uh, protesting against oppression Sure. If they come together on that, how soon is it going to be before they come together on the CBA? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So now, now I see why Colin isn't in the league. Absolutely. All the talks about him not being able to perform in the NFL is completely garbage. One hundred percent. He was the face of the NFL. Yeah, literally for like two years straight. He he was like, the the golden boy yeah. of the NFL. And I grew up a 49ers fan. It was great to see 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 my see my dog I mean, shine. My boy was out there kissing biceps every weekend. You know what I mean? Like he, he was doing. Out there running like a deer, man. <laughs> he, he was doing his thing. So it's crazy that all the people, all, all these people who say, you know, he 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 couldn't play anymore. It made sense now. They had to get him out because if if he could get the players to come together, sure. they, they were looking so far ahead of what I was even thinking. Right mm. at the time, you know, my little my little good heart was 
wanting to fight some oppression. Hopeful. <laughs> Full and, of hope. And the owners were saying, hey, man, we got to stop this thing before they come after the CBA. You know, and it, like I said, that's the bittersweet experience that you, that you have as a, as a player in the National Football League because there's a divide, but you couldn't be more invested into this sport. Like, when we talk about what it takes to, to oh, yeah. get to that level, oh, play man. at that level, establish community amongst your people. And then, like I said, you meet some great coaches, some great relationships, yes. some front office people, and then the, the bottom line. The, that bottom line. And as a business owner, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you you're not doing this for fun. I mean, I love the game, but at the end of the day, it's a business. And bottom so I, I understood that very real aspect of it as well. Absolutely. And, um, you know, as a business owner, I could see why anybody would want to protect their business. They're, they're protecting um, their, their interests. And, and this is what I tell people, you know, from a leadership perspective, it's old, I call it like old garb leadership. I mean, like, they, 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 it's more of a taking mentality than a giving mentality. And I think we're, we're starting to see a new generation of leaders. Not, I don't know about NFL owners because mm. it's a unique um, product, you know, more or less. But the, there's an emerging generation of leaders that understand that they'll get more when they give. That when they actually, you know, serve invest their in people, yeah. invest in their people, they'll mm. actually get the best out of their people. Right. And that's definitely not the NFL. No, not that's at all. That's definitely not the NFL. So talk, tell me about, tell me more about, like, your relationship with Colin, how it's been since then. Because, like I said, he is the face, deservedly so in some respect. There's been the Netflix documentary. There's been everything. And you've been slow to kind of tell your story. I know, I know you know, right here today, we're busting this exclusive <laughs> and getting, getting Eric Reed's story out. But tell me about the nature of relationship because you've been pursuing God. You've been doing some, like, there's been an evolution since you've uh, moved on in the last few few years. Tell me the nature of that relationship. Well, we're still very good friends. Excellent. Still very close. Um, I am not so deeply involved in the at, at the activism yeah. culture anymore. You know, um, since I've transitioned out of the league, I've I've had the wonderful opportunity to spend way more time with my family. Excellent. Um, and I'm loving every minute of it. Um, do I still want to play? Of course. I mean, I, that competitor is still deep down in me. But since since transitioning out of the league, you know, I'm loving being with my family. Um, my pursuit of Christ is on fire, um, and I'm loving it. Um, Yo, he's a man on fire. <laughs> I, That's why this my guy. <laughs> it's um, I think. The Lord rewarded me in the in the way that He works, right? You know, people often say that the Lord works in mysterious ways, and He really does. And I think mm -hmm. He He knew my heart when I started protesting, mm. and He He showed Himself to me in such a mighty way that I'm so grateful for, so thankful for, and I'm so at peace with everything that's happened in my life because it's brought me to Him. Sure. And so I I couldn't be more pleased with how things have turned out. Yes, I um yeah, there's some regrets, you know, things that yeah. Some some things that I've said, some things that I've done that I wish I wouldn't have said to people, that I wish I wouldn't have done to people. But had I not protested, I don't think that I would be where I am today. 100%. Let me get into the, the last bit of ugly that I know of. Of course, you know, the NFL creates the, the Players Coalition. And that, oh, was, yeah. that, was, that was sticky. That was, that was sticky. That's when you was at the height of probably some anger. Yeah. And, um, you know, you was, in, you was at the height. You was in it. You was right in the fire. Yeah. So, um, you know, it seems like, you know, I, I guess your, your your altercation might have been with Malcolm, but you know, tell me what you what you can in relation to where the steam really picks up. What your what you you know what your thoughts was? Why you felt like um, there, there needed to be a clear line yeah. drawn? Yeah. So that started when you know 
President Trump made his comments, sure. right? And so now the league and the owners had a vested interest in, in stopping this protest, right? Because they were following suit with what the president had said. Absolutely. So the uh, Roger Goodell organizes this meeting with, uh, I, I believe it was 12 to 15 owners and players to discuss the issues that were causing players to protest, right? And I see this on Twitter. I'm not invited to this meeting. I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. Y'all are having a, a meeting. <laughs> so, to y'all, so y'all get the party started, but y'all not invited to the exclusive. Y'all want to talk to players about the reasons that's causing players to protest, but player one and player two, Colin and Eric, don't get the invite. Hey. So I send a tweet out. To Roger Goodell saying, I, I, I think it's interesting that I'm not invited to this meeting. Mm. And so naturally, I get the invite after that. Um, we, we get there, um, and it becomes very apparent that Malcolm Jenkins is the leader of the players. Like, he was going to be the voice of the players in this, in this meeting. I thought that was interesting. Didn't know how that dynamic had taken place. Sure. So he asked in our little pre-meeting with the owners, it was just the players, what we were here for, what were we going to ask from the owners. And I'm thinking, you know, again, this is kind of weird. I'm not protesting the NFL. Sure. But if they're bringing us here under the premise that they want to help us, I think it would be cool if, I don't know, spitballing here, every team donates a million dollars for 10 years, right? Sure. 32 teams, $32 million, 10 years, that's $320 million going into – the communities that your players come from. I think that's a good idea. Sure. Man, he laughed in my face in front of everybody, like straight up LOL in front of everybody. Really? Whoa. Straight like that. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, that's, that's how we're doing. Okay. And so I, I, I felt some type of way about that. He's like, why would they do that? I'm like, why wouldn't they? Like, are you, are you their representation or are you our <laughs> representation? Like, like why, why are you negotiating on their behalf? Right now. So man, we go into that meeting and it it is it becomes really apparent that this was this was a PR move, right? Mm. They wanted to say they had a meeting for the sake of having a meeting. Sure. And I'll I'll give you the details. We we spoke again pleasantries for about two hours. Nothing really happening. It's just song and dance. Mm. Um, Roger Goodell starts the meeting off. Um, he says that the issues of the black community are our issues. Right? Like, very civil rights era. <laughs> like, very civil rights. Like, Martin Luther King signing the Civil Rights Act of 1965. Yeah. It's time that America acknowledges that black issues are America's issues. I was like, okay, that's what we're doing. Okay. And so, after, after two hours, um, Terry Pagula, the owner of the Bills, Bills. says, um, you know, we need to do something about this protest because I've lost two sponsors for my hockey team. And he says, we need to put a Band-Aid on this, and we need a black face to do it. Oh, snap. Woo. I mean, that's just And facts. then he says, I think that Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden would be good candidates to do that. And now, now I'm like, oh, I, now, I see why, now I see why we're here. It's to, we're not here to talk about the issues of the protest. Yeah. We're here to talk about the end of the protest, how to, how to make it end. Yep. So now I see how this is all kind of playing out. And so I finally, after two hours, I finally say, um, you know, I think it's really interesting, Roger, that you opened this meeting saying that black issues are your issues, right? Sure. I said, so where were you when the entire country was saying that me and Colin were terrorists, when we were being villainized? Why were there crickets? You weren't saying anything. Nothing. We didn't, you didn't come and support us. You didn't give us a statement of, of backup, nothing. Man. You know what his response was. And... David, I kid you not. 
Oh, man. I think it's a good time to break for lunch. Oh, snap. So just evaded, just, just evaded, evaded this moment, this moment I, of truth. I said, I said, when are we going to talk about Colin? And why did y'all not back us up? Y'all left us out to dry. And he broke the meeting for lunch. We come back from lunch. They bring in their PR specialists, sure. their PR team, and say what they're going to do moving forward. Sure. About how they're going to donate X amount of money. I, one of the owners says, you know, in a very sleazy way, um, you know, we could, we, could, we could give you more, research, more resources in your community than you can ever imagine. Y'all just got to stop protesting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Y'all just got to stop protesting. Oh, my goodness. You talking about, oh, boy, trying to buy somebody's All right. value system. Okay. Now we're getting there because keep in mind, let's keep the context. This is about Malcolm, right? Like me regretfully approaching him the way I did on the football field. Yeah. So they roll out this this whole PR campaign about how they're going to do commercials, and they, and they did all that. You remember the end racism in the end, in the end zones, the stickers I, on the helmets. I'm still working for the Giants. I'm dealing with my guys, you know. So um, that was their way to allocate money. But I give you one that's even better. At one point, they were talking about reallocating money from Salute to Service to this social justice initiative. And all of the guys were like in favor. I'm like, no, dude, like they're already saying that we hate the, the military. Why oh my god. Why would we take money from from the military? From the military program for our program. It, 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 it was solidified. Oh my goodness. So it, it was it was a lot. I mean, David, Listen, it was So we ain't we ain't got enough, you know, millions out of the billions that's being made every every, right, every to, year. To, <laughs> and so then if you recall, if you do the research because it's out there, the NFL sure. comes up with this eighty-nine million dollar package. And it really was a matching campaign, so it there was. was no new money. The players had to donate money for the NFL to put money in. It was it was really unachievable. One stipulation was that ninety five percent of the money raised had to be in the well. First, we couldn't we couldn't fundraise. I'm in Silicon Valley. I'm with I'm with the 49ers, right? Yeah. So I'm like, so I can hit up Apple. I can hit up Google. Yeah. To get X amount of dollars, and y'all gonna match it? Uh, no, it needs to come out of the locker room. So so oh now my they, God. It's really just PR. Part of their their package was that twenty five million dollars was going to be given for commercials, right? And you you and I both know yeah. they're not spending twenty five million. They value the spot of the commercial at twenty five million. million. <laughs> so they're actually not putting money into the community. Oh boy, they're doing PR spins. Oh man, my my league, my peeps, <laughs> and I got so many people that I respect. And I still like, like I said, I understand that everybody has their own agenda, mm-hmm. right? Meaning, meaning, although it doesn't serve true justice, I understand that people have their own agenda. So I'm not, we're not, I'm not going to demonize, but this, we, we know but it's, we're going to be on the right side of yeah, truth. It's, it's, I'm, you told me that you wanted to help the community, <laughs> but really all you're doing is appeasing the president. At well, the end of the day, you're appeasing the president and appeasing the public. He's in the public, your fan base, and get, you I, I get it. You're, you know, you got, you're running the business, yeah, right. And so, you know, fast forward, and there's a lot more. The more we talk about, it, the more will come out. But um, back to what happened with Malcolm. Yeah, the day comes. He calls me. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> he calls me on my phone, right? And keep in mind, at this point, I was like, "Hey, man, I really think you should stop talking to the NFL on behalf of me, at least, because I didn't elect you to be my representation." No doubt. But anyway, he's negotiating with the owners. They start this players coalition. Sure. He calls me on my phone and he says, how much would it take for you to stop protesting? The NFL is ready to make a donation today. How much would it take for you to stop? 
And I'm like, this is this is not oh, real life. Man, this is like gooey. So when <laughs> so when you talk about sellouts, right? Because yeah. for a minute there, people started calling Colin and I sellouts because we we settled a lawsuit. Sure. Which is a very it's a normal process. Process. It's a process. Um he actually called me and asked how much money it would take for me to stop protesting. And guess what? The money was going to his nonprofit. Hey, man. Hey, you, you from Jersey, Malcolm. I need better than that. You from Scataway Chief, dog. Oh, man. That's so heartbreaking. I'm, I'm really, like, blown away at this, right? I'm like, yeah. dude, dude I, I'm not doing this, right? And so keep man. in mind that Malcolm nor any of the players at that meeting actually took a knee. I was the only person present that actually was taking a knee, and that's what they wanted to stop. So it was all organized. So when I got that call, I said, I see now. It all makes sense. Sure. The NFL, along with Malcolm, they organized this coalition to make a deal to get the protest to stop. Because after that, he goes out and he says publicly that I think it's time that we stop protesting. Sheesh. And, and I thought I thought he was still, you know, locked locked on his team and, and, he, and the whole he, team. He, he might have locked on, but he wasn't on the knee, right? Which is what he, Trump wanted to stop. Got it. I thought he, he wasn't, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he, was, he, he was he was locked on, so he had a fist in the air, but he, okay. was, he, there was, you go. he was not on that knee. And got it. The owner of the Philadelphia Eagles approved his form of protesting. Like got he it. got approval from the team to raise his fist and to lock arms. And what they didn't want was that knee. Yeah. And so Damn. he comes out after that and says, you know. I think it's time that we stop protesting. Um, so that's how that and then, you know, fast forward to the game. Like you said, I'm probably at the peak of, of my Oh, anger. no question. We about to bang out. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we about to bang it, um, it, it was not a good day for me. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was very angry that day. And I'm grateful that, you know, we didn't, it didn't get physical. Any, so, any, any interaction, any conversation ever with, with Malcolm? Just on a reconciliation tip? No. Got not it. since then. Got um, it. No, there hasn't been. If I had the opportunity, you know, I would apologize for approaching him because I, I instigated it. You know, no, no. It was a coin toss. He was out there as a captain. I wasn't a captain. I walked out there. Yeah. Um, and, man, I'm grateful that he didn't do anything that would have made me do something. Yeah. <laughs> that day, it would have went down. Yeah, man. Well, listen, like I said, for me, it's, obviously I know you. I don't know Malcolm. I have, I have a great amount of respect for him as an individual and leader, and obviously I'm, I'm taking your words as gold in general, but, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those unfortunate, you know, scenarios that play out in the human experience because, again, everybody has an agenda. Every agenda doesn't have to be evil for it to have an, an unjust end. You know, that's, that's kind of, as we mature in life, we kind of get it. Everybody's in it for what they're in it for. And, you know, there's, there's more righteous causes, there's more um, equitable causes mm-hmm. uh, that people like yourself, Colin, and many others in the past and, and, and into the future are continuing to fight for. So it's to be saluted, man. So um, tell me how this all comes together. Because sometimes we don't like to talk about the supernatural. We don't like to talk about, we say, God, what are we saying here? Yeah. So tell, let the audience know how dynamic your arrival is and why, why you're connecting these dots in this way and your faith is so meaningful. So in a very, very powerful way, God moved in my life. Um, I mentioned that I had gotten cut and it sent me into a sad place, right? Like, you know, I'm not- Rightfully so. And it wasn't one of those situations where, you know, I had tailed off in my career and it was just time to hang them up. I had broken two records. 
Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, I've got a ton of football. I'm at the peak of my career, right? I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next year coming off of this two record breaking season. That's crazy. And I get a, I get a phone call saying that I've been cut. And so, you know, I'm, I'm upset, you know, and I, I'm this, this, this whole range of emotions of being upset, of being angry, because I know this is the fruits of the protest, right? It's, sure. it's finally caught up to me. And, and they, they, they finally feel comfortable kicking me out. No doubt. So I remember being in my office um, and saying a very simple prayer, like, God, I, I did this for you, and mm. I, don't, I don't feel close to you at all. Um, and it couldn't have been but a couple of days later, I go to work out um, because it's the off-season and I'm training. Sure. And I get out of my car, my back just locks up on me. Like, it starts spasming. Like, um, <laughs> won't, will not let go. And if you've never had back spasms, Good for you. I, listen, thank God. I never had them. I'm 42 and I still haven't had them. Like, Good for you. And hold on. Imagine a, um, a hamstring cramp. Like, you know, you, you've had a yeah, hamstring yeah, yeah. but in your back. And so you can't turn, you can't bend, you can't cough. Like, it just, everything hurts. And so um, I, I walk out onto the field to do this workout. And I'm thinking, you know, it, it's, I can work through this. You know what I mean? I'm going to warm up and it'll, it'll be fine. Sure. And so as I'm trying to warm up, I hear... I hear quality, not quantity. And so I'm thinking, dang, that's a great idea. I'm going to do some good, good quality reps. I'm not going to do too much quantity. I'm going to get in, get out, just get a nice little flow, get the blood flowing. Sure. Man, I couldn't put my cleats on. Like, it was bad. Man. So I call my massage therapist, who's Rochanel, who you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been massaging me for about a year, and he does great work. I mean, like, you get man, beat up. need to holler at him. <laughs> RCF Unlimited, man, holler look. at him on the ground. Look, man, like he, he, I got through some, some games because of him, but um, I called him. I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry to hit you up like this, but I need a massage like today. Like, like can you get me in today? Yeah. Because my back is doing, like, it's, it's crazy right now. <laughs> back, got one of them space balls joints, just aliens running through your man, back. <laughs> look, I, don't, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it, it just would not let go. My back was so locked up. And so, um, he, he agrees to come over, and I'm very grateful. And we start talking about God. And he says, Eric, God is looking for a quality person, not a quantity of people. And I, I, I literally do this on the, on the massage table. Like, what did you just say to me? People don't get it. He said, God is looking for a quality person, not a quantity of people. And it all made sense. I'm like, I heard God earlier today. Like, he was, he was speaking to me. He, like, he... Man, he was letting me know that because, and then it made sense to me because the the you know the protest is on this big stage, you know, sure. you're talking to the masses, like, and uh, and that's where it gets you know to the to the nuance of this conversation where it's like I wasn't lying, I wasn't saying something wrong, yeah, but I wasn't reconciling anybody to God. Yes, like, there we go, there we go. There, no, I wasn't. Nobody was being. No souls were being saved. Yeah, and he made me understand very clearly. That he does not care to have a quality, uh, a quantity yeah. of people. I mean, the scripture it's, says he has a, a hill of a thousand cows, yep. cattle. Like he, he owns it all. He needs not like he <laughs> he don't need my raggedy behind. Like, <laughs> but he, but if you have that quality, if that heart he desires, he desires your heart. And man, it became so real. It made so much sense. Wow. And it just. He had me like he he captured my heart and uh. So you go in in, in your own mind. Years here you are, years removed. You're 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 in this to use your platform to glorify God, considering the broken, considering the oppressed, 
And lo and behold, God reaches back around and comes for you. Oh, man. I felt, I felt rewarded. And it, none of it mattered anymore. The fact yeah. that I, I'm not on the team. And obviously, you know, it, it had very real repercussions, right, from a, you know, Heck providing yeah. from my family standpoint. But, man, <laughs> it came full circle because I started protesting for God. Yeah. And he came back and got me. Because then I consider what happened throughout the journey of the protest. That's right. And how it started. I was in this pure place seeking God, trying to. Trying to do what was right for him. Absolutely. And then, you know, anger and pride came in. And, yep. you know, I started doing things that I, that weren't like me. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, you know, the work of Satan, right? Yeah. He manipulates you, More he deceives you. And, and that's our adversary. We got to fight this fight. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'm crushed. Yeah. That he, he pulled me out of it. <laughs> Bro, your life is a, is not just a, as a moment. It, it became that, it, it became a movement because God moved on you. You served the oppressed, you became the oppressed, and God delivered the oppressed. It's beautiful, isn't it? By delivering you yeah. to himself. Boy, listen, I'm, I'm like otherworldly proud of, proud of you, proud to know you, proud to be a part of your life. Um, and I can't thank you for just being who you are, consistent, man. You're intelligent, you're dynamic, you're an amazing man, amazing father. Your, your actions and even your motiv motivations have, have brought... It's, it's bringing healing. Like, it's broad healing. People have had to endure, whether they wanted to or not, mm. conversation and dialogue that never would have existed if Colin didn't have his sentiments right. and you weren't a part of that. And let's remember, folks, it was his idea to take the knee. Nate Boyer, we appreciate your confirmation. But, you know, that's a story that also needs to be told because you were just as heroic in your mind and your heart and being a tremendous friend to Colin. I appreciate that, David. And I, I could say the same for you because I knew that there would be a time for my story to come out. I didn't do this seeking glory or seeking the attention or seeking the spotlight, this, which is why I've never done an interview of this nature. No doubt. But I, I knew there would be a time for my story, but at the same time, I knew the person who would deliver my story had to be a, a man of honor and faith and who was going to do right with the story. Um, and not not bend it for their own agenda. And so whenever you asked me, you know, I, I turned down this opportunity so many times. Um, but because of who you are, I, I knew that this was going to be the way for me to, to tell my, my story, and I'm, I'm happy I was able to do that. Man, y'all heard it here. This is, this is exclusive. This is groundbreaking. This is what Catch the Moment is about, meaningful people taking that journey to arrive at their, at their destination. Eric Reed's on his way. But listen, man, the best is yet to come. Thank you for being a guest with us on Catch the Moment, yes, fam. Yes, sir, of course. Listen, y'all need to stay tuned, locked, subscribe, YouTube, Apple. We're, we're, we're everywhere. You can find us. This is about life transformation. It's about getting you where you got to go. So make sure you tune in with Catch the Moment. Thank you.